Good morning. I had so much fun worshiping with you. You were really singing today. Thank you for that. I love hearing you sing. It's such a wonderful experience to be at the front when you can hear all the voices coming from behind you. It's a beautiful thing. So welcome to church today. So glad you're here. This is a very special Sunday. So if you're a guest, I just want to right off the top, I want to welcome you. And I want you to know that you've come to a very special Sunday. And this is a Sunday that we call Heart for the House. This is our second annual Heart for the House. And this is a time where the church family gathers and hears some good reports about what's been happening in the year. And then we together as a church, we make a sacrificial and special gift. And so that's why our offering is coming at the end. But if you're a guest today, we don't, we're not here expecting you to give. We just want you to be a part of the day. And I hope that you're encouraged as you would hear what this church is already doing and already been up to this whole year. I hope that'll encourage you. If you're a part of the church family, maybe you came like I did, prepared to give. Um, and if not, that's okay. We're going to give you some time and I'll explain all that to you. Um, but uh, part of the thing for us, the reason why I'm prepared today is because as a family, we kind of make a decision at the beginning of the year that we're going to save up for Kingdom Builders, Heart for the House, which at this point is, is, is going to uh, work together so beautifully at the rest of the year. Um, but uh, when we were doing that together, we decided, well, what could we do? And we decided that we were going to give Virage Sale a try. Has anybody ever done Virage Sale? Can I see a hand for Virage Sale? Yeah, it's like Use Victoria. Uh, ish. How many of you ever used Use Victoria, bought or sold on Use Victoria? Absolutely. So, so we decided to use Virage Sale. And when Lisa was, you know, I have to give Lisa credit. She sells things that I think should be thrown away. She sells them on Virage Sale. And I have eaten my words so many times I don't say anything. But you know the first thing she wanted to sell on Virage Sale this year? My weight set. And I told her I consistently use it once or twice a year. So why in the world would we get rid of it? So anyway, it was one of the first things we sold because other people want to store those weights in their house and not use them, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So anyway, Virage Sale works, and uh, we're here today happy and able to give because uh, other people bought the stuff that I won't use. So it's wonderful. And so it's, it's, it was our way of being prepared for Heart for the House this year. But here's what I want to say just to begin things with you today. Everything we do is about building the church of Jesus Christ. Everything we do is about building the church of Jesus Christ. When we train new uh, church planters, it's about building the church of Jesus Christ. When we minister to the poor and the hurting and the forgotten, we are doing this to build the church of Jesus Christ. When we bring hope to people who have lost hope, we're doing it to build the church of Jesus Christ. When we plant a church, when we send a missionary, when we refresh or expand our building, we're doing it all, we're doing it all to build the church of Jesus Christ. Everything we do is to build the church of Jesus Christ. And here's the truth. I don't know any better place to invest than in the church of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you why. Because God himself is building it. In fact, Jesus' own words, he said, I will build my 
church. Jesus made a promise to build his church. And so I want to take you now to the passage of scripture where Jesus actually teaches this to his disciples. And and as I set it up, I want you to understand that this was a time where Peter had an incredible revelation about who Jesus is. He was walking with Jesus. He was watching Jesus. He was trying to see what is Jesus all about. I know he's a rabbi. I know he's a prophet. But something happened. There was a great revelation And so I want to take you to that place in Scripture. It's in Matthew 16 in the Bible, and I want us to read it together. In verse 13, Jesus opens up the conversation. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Now, Jesus was referring to what the Old Testament had prophesied about the Son of Man. This was a title that was given to someone who had a prophetic gift and was the prophet assigned by God. And so in this context, he's talking about the one who carries the Spirit of God, the one who carries the gift of prophecy, the one who is the one to come, the Messiah. And and so then the disciples respond, well, some say he's going to be John the Baptist, reincarnated. Some say Elijah. Some say one of the prophets and so on. And then Jesus shifts the conversation and he says, okay, that's good, thanks. But who do you say that I am? He changes it from being about what others would say to what do you say as an individual, as one of my followers who's been with me all this time, who do you say that I am? And in context, all of a sudden, Peter, who's known as Simon Peter, speaks up. The Bible says in verse 16, Simon Peter answers, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied to him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And so in other words, we have examples in the Bible of Peter getting it wrong. This isn't one of them. This is the time where Peter got it right. This is the time where he spoke with a new revelation, a new lens on who Jesus really was. Jesus, you're not just a great prophet. You're not just a rabbi. You're the Messiah. You're the one we've been waiting for. You're the one who's going to change everything. You're the one that's going to set everything right. You're the one who's going to establish God's kingdom on earth. You are the son of the living God. And, And Jesus says, good job. You got it right. You saw it right. But the verse isn't finished. That that verse is finished, but I want to read you one more verse. It says in verse 18, And I tell you, Jesus continues to speak, you are Peter. And on this rock, in other words, on what you just said, on the words that you said, on the revelation that you've had, on the confession you just made that I am the Son of God, that I am the Messiah, on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Wow. That's, that verse has some fire in it. You know, when I was a child, I grew up in the South, in the United States, and the preacher would come through, and he would preach on this verse. And when he got to this verse, he would say, and the gates of hell. <laughs> and then everyone would go, amen. He said, and the, I said, I said, the gates of hell. It's long, hail, right? It's like long, no Hades, hail. And I, I, every time he said it, I kind of shuddered just a little bit as a kid, you know, ooh. I got to confess that as a child, I had this image of these gnarly toothed gates that were chasing after me, you know, coming to get me, right? The gates of hell, right? (laughs) But when I began to understand this verse a little bit more, I, I, I realized there's something that's very important to learn about gates, and that's that they don't move. They do not chase you. 
They will not attack you. They are, they are not offensive. They are defensive. They stay right where they are. And they really, they really, only, <laughs> they really have very, very little function. What they do is they open and they close. They keep things in and they keep things out. Are you with me? So these fixed gates that aren't going anywhere, that don't move and certainly don't attack you, right? These gates, Jesus said, his church will overcome them. So in other words, these gates that, are, that he calls the gates of Hades, these fixed places, the church is going to push against them, flinging them open and take ground. Amen? That's what Jesus is saying here. The context is so cool, too, because, you know, whenever we go to Israel, we always go to Caesarea Philippi. That's where this took place. And Caesarea Philippi is way up in the north. Um, it's up in the mountains in what's known as the Golan region, which is a very disputed area between Syria and Israel. And we go up there, and you come to this particular place where there is a cliff edge. And built into the side of a cliff is the remains of an old temple that was once there. And you can see some inscriptions on the wall. And there's a few little places where they would have put idols in, in what used to be this grand, grand temple. And right beside where the temple ends, there's a hole in the mountainside. And interestingly enough, that hole used to be a place where water came out of the side of the hill. And where the water came out of the side of the hill was a place of pagan worship. We're talking like Canaanites, like way before the Romans. And they used to worship at this place, and it was known as the gates of hell. That place. So Jesus is standing in Caesarea Philippi with this grand temple, this grand temple to the Greek god Pan behind him. This place where water runs out of the side of the hill. And he says, listen, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This old worship stuff, this old, and then he begins to, in context, referring to what took place there. Because the Canaanites used to sacrifice their firstborn into that water. And the reason why they would do that is because they felt that the gods were angry and that was a way to appease them. And so Jesus is saying, listen, I'm the rescuer. I'm the one who's going to appease God. There's no reason for the gates of hell to exist. There's no reason for this place to be here. There's no reason to ever sacrifice another child. There's no reason for anybody to ever feel hopeless because I am the lamb. I am the sacrifice. And my very life will overcome the gates of hell. No more sacrifice. Nothing else needed. Jesus is the rescuer. So I don't have to appease God. I don't have to try to figure that out. I, God's standard is met in Jesus. Amen? And I am in Jesus. And so I'm so thankful. See, what Jesus was saying here is that the enemy wants to keep people trapped behind the gates, if you will. In, in, in some form of a living hell. Where, where they feel like they have no choice where they have to live to try to figure it out themselves. But what Jesus was saying is, I will build my church, and my church will advance against the gates. My church will free people from the pain and the loneliness and the despair and the hopelessness and the addiction and the fear and the brokenness and the confusion that they are experiencing. I will build my church. I will build my church. You see, here's the statement I want to leave you with. We are called to storm the gates of hell by joining Jesus in building the church. That's our mission, friends. 
That's what we get to be a part of. I think some of you want to clap. So let me say it again, and then we can all do it together, okay? Let's make a moment. Are you ready? We are called to storm the gates of hell by joining Jesus in building his church. (laughs) Wow. And I want you to hold on to that truth that we were just talking about, that Jesus promised to build his church. And I want you to couple that with the next thing I'm about to tell you, because this is another promise from the scripture. This is the Apostle Paul speaking, and and, and he speaks to us in Romans chapter 10. He's speaking to the church in Rome, and he makes this powerful statement, and it's simply this, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So listen, now we've got two beautiful things to hold on to today. Jesus promised to build his church, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That sounds like a party to me. Come on, we're a part of what wins, and we have the message that changes lives. Wow. And, and now comes the tension. Because as we hear this, we, get, we can get excited, but Paul wants the Roman church, and, and I believe God wants us today, again, to hear what Paul says next because he elevates the tension and the challenge of these two beautiful, beautiful promises. And that's this, that everyone who hasn't called on the name of the Lord, they need an opportunity to do so. Would you agree with me? They need an opportunity to do so. And so Paul says it this way in the next verse, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. See, Paul's saying, listen, church, be the church. Let's go. Let's do something. Let's bring the mission and the message. Let's understand that Jesus is building his church. Let's understand that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, not if or should or might or could, will be saved. And let's do it. Let's be the church so that all may hear. You see, we're not building a monument. We're building his church. This isn't about a structure. This isn't about um, a, a, a system. This is the church, the body of Christ. The church is alive. The church is moving forward. You see, monuments are something that we look at and we can celebrate as something that happened really, you know, really significant in the past. So we put up a monument. That's awesome. Look at that. Something awesome happened here. I want to tell you this. This is the truth. A thousand churches every single year close their doors and they become a monument. A monument to something that happened before with no future. I want you to understand this. We are not a monument. GT is not a monument. GT is a lighthouse for today and tomorrow, shining into darkness so people can hear and so that everyone can call on the name of the Lord. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Not a monument. So when you give to heart for the house, here's what you're saying. Let's go church. Let's go be the church. Let's set into motion what God has put in our hearts. Let's reach the world. Let's reach the island. Let's affect the kingdom of God. You know, it's interesting. Sometimes people will ask me, Andy, why do you push so hard? (laughs) I hope you don't feel like I'm pushing you too hard. I, I, I just feel today that what's in my heart is that there's no way that we can ease up. 
There's not a, when a thousand churches a year are closing, we've got to be a different kind of church. We can't ease up. Let me explain to you why. Because Jesus hasn't said, well done, good and faithful servant yet. We still have breath in our lungs. We still have energy in our lives. We still have a passion for more. And we still have a vision. And here's the deal. New dreams are essential for us going where God is calling us to. We need to hear his voice and hear his heart and move forward. We all agree on that. But I don't want to miss the moment with you today to celebrate all the amazing things that God has already done this year through his church, GT. There's so many things. I mean, there's more than I have time to tell you. I wish I could just fast or rewind time now and start the message over right here because there are so many pictures I could show you. We could film so many videos. We could tell you so many stories of life change. We could tell you stories of the hundreds and hundreds of decisions that people have made for Jesus in this house this year. We could tell you story after story. But time only allows me to give you just an overview of all the amazing things that have happened this year already through your faithful giving. First of all, through your general regular giving, your tithes and your offerings, we have been able to support our global family members who serve God all around the world. We have been able to fully fund them simply because you are generous people and you give. And so that means that they have had the opportunity to live indoors and to eat. And that's really important when you're on the mission field. How many of you know what I'm saying? So we're a part of their regular living by through our regular giving, our tithes and our offerings. And now above and beyond through Kingdom Builders, can I just tell you some of the good news of the things that you've done? I want you to know that you're responsible for sending 10,000 Bibles to Bangladesh in the native language so that they can have God's word for themselves. It's a wonderful campaign. We're partnering with Brent Cantillon, with the Gideons, in order to see those Bibles go over there. And here's the thing that's so wonderful, is you're not allowed to share Jesus with people in Bangladesh. But if people ask you, then you can share with them. And so we have pastors now all over Bangladesh with boxes of Bibles with them who will stand in different places and say, would you like to ask me for a Bible? Then they say, oh, yes, I would like to ask you for a Bible. Here you go. It's wonderful. I mean, we live in such freedom. We don't think about these things. But I want you to know, 10,000 Bibles. And I, those Bibles aren't just going to be read by one person. Those Bibles are passed around. That could be 10,000 villages that now have God's word in their own language. And many of these folks are Muslim people. And the hard thing about being Muslim is the, is the Quran is only in Arabic. So they can never read God's word in their language if, 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 um, if the Quran is God's word to them. But here's what we need you to see. God's word, God's holy word, the Bible, is now in their native language, and they can understand it heart and soul because you sent it. Way to go, church. Way to go. You sent God's word. And so uh, uh, hundreds of girls will stay in school because you gave dignity kits to keep them in school in East Africa. 200 Egyptian pastors are trained to plant churches in the Arab world because you sent me to help them be trained. Nightlight 
and you, this is a ministry to young girls who are caught in sex trafficking in Thailand, and you have helped send some of them home as we've supported Nightlight Ministries in Thailand. We were responsible for helping to put in the new kitchen in our CMCA girls' home down in Central America in Honduras, brand new kitchen for the girls to continue to use and learn. And you sent a 1,000 children to kids' camp in India, friends. You did that through your Kingdom Builders dollars. And now when we think locally, I want you to understand that we want to have a heart that reaches right into this community. And so you saw in the announcements about the Cridge uh, Tea that's coming as a fundraiser for the Cridge. But we also do active work with the Cridge Center for the family. And we do the back-to-school event where, where children can receive a backpack that's full of supplies for them. So they can go to school that year feeling excited. They put on that new backpack and they're so happy. They have all the new, brand new pencils and pens and, and all the things they need for their school grade and free haircuts and a barbecue and this whole beautiful thing that we do every single fall, not to mention pamper nights. There's another one coming up this week, and that's where we take those mothers who are in the transition home, and we bless them, and we minister to them, and we give them haircuts and massage, and they get their nails done, and they get a package, and there's a message of Jesus' love for them in that package, and friends, you're a part of all of that, not to mention all the food hampers that we give out. It's just wonderful to be a part of these local outreaches. Yes, yes. Beyond that, every single month, our street breakfast is feeding hundreds and hundreds of those who are in need. Our welcome wagon ministry is seeing many people come to Jesus, and they're ministering to family after family who are newcomers to Canada. And not to mention that, our First Nations outreaches, where we've been connecting with many of the uh, different groups on the peninsula, and, and we've just been able to build bridges and relationship and minister to students. And not to mention all of the churches that have been planted across Canada through ARC, and you have a stake in each and every one of them. They're thriving, and they're growing, and it's because of your giving. All of that is what you've already done this year. Not to mention the 250 kids who came to Glow Camp, all subsidized by this church, and, and the $10,000 that was donated for Nanus Bay Camp so that we could send over 450 students over the camp season uh, to Nanus Bay Camp. And, and our church planting apprentice, who Chris and Kirsten Kong, who are here on staff now, will be planting in 2020 in Esquimalt. Friends, all of that is the good work that's already been done this year through your above and beyond giving. So even if you're a guest today, I want you to see that we're a church that thinks of the world. And we've spent the majority of the year thinking about the world and those things that are beyond us, outreach and ministry beyond us. And so now when it comes to heart for the house, we give generously, we give joyfully, we give sacrificially to the house so that we can continue to do these kind of ministries and be all that God's called us to do. Here's what I want for you. I want you to, with me, join with me as we always think about increase. Because God is a God of increase. In fact, I love this verse from 1 Corinthians 3, where the Apostle Paul says it this way, I planted the seed in the church in Corinth. Then he says, Apollos watered it. Another teacher came through and encouraged them and blessed them. But God has been making it grow. In fact, one version says it this way, but God brings the increase. 
God is a God of increase, bringing increase. And I love this picture because I want to be a person of increase. And because GT is not a monument, it must be a movement. And I want to talk to you for a moment about increase. Because one of the things that I love being able to share is from 2018 to 2019, our kids' ministry has had a 92% increase. You just need that to settle on you for a minute. That means this church is growing with young families, and we have almost doubled the amount of children that we're ministering to, 92% increase. Do you know what they consider exponential growth? Exponential church growth is 7 to 10%. Friends, we grew by 92% in our kids' ministry. That's exponential. That's wonderful. It's very exciting. It tells me we're a church with a bright future. That's what it tells me. We're a church of increase. And 334 I'm new cards were filled out last year. That's 334 cards. That's not 334 new people. You, some of you are new today, and I would, I would dare say that some of you that are new did not fill out a card when Pastor Lucas asked you to. That's something we do much later. I know we're, we, we're cautious and we're, we're leery. You're, you think we might stalk you. We do not stalk you, I promise, okay? But I, when people are putting their name on that card, they're saying, I'm okay to be identified. So that's 334 from last year. Not to mention the hundreds and hundreds of decisions that we had for Christ over the last year. And not to mention the Ignite Campus that was launched um, this fall. And not to mention the 2020 Esquimalt Church Plan. Friends, we are a church of increase. God is increasing us. And you know what? It's so beautiful to see God working. But we're the ones now that are called to water. And so what God said to me during our conference is he said, Andy, I want you to share this little phrase with the church. Prepare the house. Prepare the house. And, and, I, and I got to thinking about what we do when, when people are coming over. You know, we clean up, right? We set things right. I can tell you that before people come over, Lisa takes that opportunity to give me a honeydew list, right? All the things, all the chores that need to be done, right? Yeah, yeah, and I want you to know that I scored some brownie points because on Friday I did like 10 chores. Yes! I, I'm only telling you that because usually I don't get all the chores done. And so, But there's always a list. And, and I felt like God said to me, prepare the house. And here's why. Because there's already been increase and there's more to come. There's more to come. There's much more to come. And so, listen, we, we're not refreshing and expanding this building so that we can have something to brag about. That's not what we're doing here. It's so everyone can call on the name of the Lord. It's so everyone has the opportunity to call on the name of the Lord. So many just need to know where they can find the hope that they need. There's a promise that God's going to build his church. Jesus said, I'll build my church. There's another promise that there will be for us an increase and that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I want you to think about, look across the street over here. Think about, let, go there in your mind's eye. Across the street, there's this beautiful new arena. And I, as I was writing my notes, I thought, I should Google and find out when that new arena went in. Because I'm like, man, it still feels and looks so brand new to me. It was 2005. <laughs> That's not yesterday, but it looks new. It feels new. We look at the new arena from 2005, and, and it, so since 2005, our traffic flow has changed. When the old arena was there, there wasn't a hockey team. Not very many people were interested in going there. It was kind of old and grungy, and as a result, you know, there wasn't as much traffic. But now, with the new arena, there's been new hockey teams. We're already on our second one. We were the Salmon Kings. Now we're the Royals. 
Got to say I like the Royals better than the Salmon Kings. Just the name, that's all, okay? But, but I, I, I'm thrilled about that. I'm also thrilled about all the concerts and all the musicians and all the activities and all the home shows and everything else that comes across the street. The reason being is because it has increased the traffic flow of, the, of this location. And that is such a good thing. But you know, I got to thinking about this. What about all those literally thousands, sometimes six, seven thousand people streaming into the building across the street? What are they seeing when they look over here? And you know, my thought was, I, I wonder if they even know we're here. And Pastor Lucas was talking to me about a time where we as a staff went to the arena uh, for a game. And, 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 and uh, Pastor Nilo cannot help himself. He must evangelize everywhere he goes. God bless him. So it was, we were going, and he took a stack of Easter cards with him over there. And uh, Lucas was telling me this between the services. He said, I stood there with him as he evangelized. I was like, I'm just going to watch the man work, right? And so he's, he's telling people, hey, you know, uh, do you know, I'm from Glad Tidings. It, you know, it's, it's the church across the street. Have you ever, you know the church across the street? And it was like, nope, no idea. Never even seen it. Friends, we're across the street from the arena, and people don't know we're here. And so here's the deal. When people look across the street right now, this is what they see. That's our church building from, I, I took this shot. This is from, on my phone. I took this shot from the street looking at our building. And so what I, what I noticed here is that it's not very visible. It's not very invitational. And it doesn't display the life that's here. Part of the reason is because this would be our front doors. And those would be our back doors. But the problem is the world is coming to our back doors. Thousands and thousands of people are streaming across the street, parking in our lots, and don't even know it's a church, right? They don't even know that they parked in our parking lots, right? We're glad they did, but it, 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 they don't know that we're here. And so this is the problem. So this is what they see, and this is what we want them to see. Show me the next slide. This is the concept drawing of our next... Now, we want them to see we're here, you're welcome, and here's the thing that I, that I want to share with you. We want to shout at them, there's life here, and here we are. You know, people need to see God's vision for them before they ever enter our doors. They need to see that there's a place I can go. There's a place that I can see that I understand that makes sense to me. I can see a welcome for me. I can see that that's a place, that there's going to be no doubt that that's GT Church right there, right across the street. And, and this is the picture for us. Now, now this is the long-term big picture goal. We're not there yet, okay? This is sort of the end goal. But we are in this phase one. And like, remember that verse I said where Paul planted, Apollos watered, and God made it grow? We're in the watering stage. And we need to water what's growing. And so that's our kids, like exponential growth in our children's ministry. We need to water that. So phase one, which you can see right here, the, there's, uh, the, the drywall here is fresh. You can see that. This is our new expanded nursery. And this facility is going to be a great facility for our little ones. And so I, I took a picture this week of the inside because all of you are wondering, did they just put that wall up there to block our ramp? Is that what they did? No, no, no. There's actually stuff going on. Let me show you. This is what's going on behind that wall. You're going to see the metal studs there and that separates the nursery from the nursing mom's area. So the nursing mom's area is on this end. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to, it's going to be plush carpet. It's going to be soft lighting. The, the, um, the, 
live stream will be on the wall, and you can go there when you need to nurse. And then on the other side, on this side, is the nursery facility where all the little ones, littlest ones, will be. And that can be accessed from this side or that side by nursing moms. And so this new facility over here is just the very first of the expansion for our, our growth. And um, I'm just thankful. Next week, we're going to celebrate babies. We're going to dedicate children, and it's going to be wonderful in here. The other piece is the access between the two buildings that we're working on. And so you'll have a clear pass-through. You can see there'll be a new ramp. You can see there's a construction ramp now. And then beyond that, there's going to be larger washrooms. Because when this building was built, the congregation was about 500 people. Now the congregation is about 2,000 people. And so that growth is significant. And the washrooms, well, we, we find them adequate. But we need larger for the amount of people that God has given us, the increase that God has given us. So brand new washrooms back here. Part of the other reason why we need those brand new washrooms is because we want to make our children's spaces secure. And so there will not be access to this part of the building um, except by our trained staff. And, um, and so that will protect our children, but that means that these washrooms will then be only for those little ones. And uh, so they deserve it. There's lots of them and they need it. And so this is phase one. And this is where we are for Heart for the House. We're at phase one. And I'm happy to report to you that $500,000 has already been raised for phase one of, of, um, of this project. And that's because of your generosity. So church, not only have we done all these kingdom projects, but we're well on our way with the phase one of this project. And so I want you to be encouraged. You see, the responsibility isn't on the back of any one person. It's not your job to pay for these projects. It's us together. And there's this beautiful picture in the Old Testament of when God would send the manna to the people of Israel in the desert. And the Bible talks about how they gathered it. And if they had a big family, they gathered a lot. If they had a little family, they gathered a little. And here's what the Bible said. Those who gathered little didn't have too little, and those who gathered much didn't have too much. You know what it was? It wasn't, it wasn't equal giving. It wasn't equal reaping. But God brought it all, and it was distributed as it was needed. And here's what I want you to think about. It's not equal giving. It's equal sacrifice. And so there's some of us in here who could give a lot. And you're here today, and you're prepared, like, like I am, for, with your gift. But there's others of us that can't give a lot. And sometimes we think because we can't give a lot that our little isn't of value. I believe with all my heart, just like that manna principle, if we all give what we have, there'll be enough. So is it possible that we could imagine together that the $500,000 that's already been raised could be matched by another four hundred and fifty to 500000 to completely cover phase one project? so that we could literally step into whatever's next, phase two and beyond, having said, we did it, God used us, God helped us, and we were able to do that. It'll increase our faith, and it will keep the church moving forward. So I really believe that God wants to do that. So some of you came ready, and some of you didn't, and that's okay. We, we, we thought about that. And so over the next seven weeks, we want to give you the opportunity to consider making a, a, a financial gift for Heart for the House, a sacrificial, joyful, prepared gift. We want you to take time with that. Want you to talk with your spouse if you need to. And, and 
And if you need, you know, if you need, sometimes we need time to arrange our finances, to think ahead. But it's intentional that it's now that we can think about it. And so for the nev- next seven weeks, you have opportunity to give. And really, it's about helping us reach everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. You see, we're a church that plants churches. We're a church that supports and sends missionaries. We're a church that believes that the church is alive and that it's God's church and that he's building it and that we get to be a part of that because everything we do is building the church of Jesus Christ. Let's pour our water on the seed so that it can continue to grow. And so behind me will be ways to give. And over this last weekend, we had such a beautiful weekend last weekend with our conference. And, um, you know, I, we've been praying for awakening. We've been praying for revival. And I felt like what God said to me is, Andy, along with the spiritual revival that's happening in people's lives, I really believe there's going to be a corresponding financial revival where God's going to bless you. But more than that, God's going to use you to be a blessing. Just like in a spiritual revival, we have a new vibrancy, a new desire to sacrifice our time, our sleep, our our energies, so that we can invest in time with Jesus because his presence is so real. And in in a financial revival, it's very much the same. We're ready. It's okay. I'm fine. I'll give. Because there's a yes in the spirit. There's a new desire to sacrifice, a new desire to give. And so I really believe that there is a financial miracle that's taking place and a financial revival. And so I just, you know, I just want you to do one thing. If I, I just want to ask you to do one thing. I just want you to ask God what he wants you to give. The, the Bible says that we don't give under compulsion. But I want you just to ask God. Everything that was set aside, I hope you're encouraged But also, really, what's most important is that you hear from God and that you obey him. So I'm going to actually give you a moment to do that. I want to give you a moment just to ask God what he wants you to do. You may not be ready today. That's fine. Maybe it's over the seven weeks. But let the Lord speak to your heart. So can we pray together? God, I pray for every person who's here today that they would have the courage to just do that, just to ask you, God, what would you have me do? Lord, you know right where I am financially. You know every need that's coming. You know every provision that's necessary. What would you have me do? And I will listen and I will obey. So now I'm just gonna leave space for you to hear from the Lord.